Welcome to River Dunes <laughs> and River Don'ts. You're coming here live with us in the quiet storm. This is a podcast where we watch an episode of the CW original series, Riverdale. We recap what occurred in the episode. We tell you our River Do. That's our highlight of the episode. Our River Don't. The thing that we liked the least. And our Weekly Weird. That little thing that makes us go... Hmm. <laughs> I am Quinn, one of your hosts. Holy shit. I'm Rob, <laughs> another host of this show. Uh, I held the laughs in. I, I held the laughs not. in. Uh, no one is surprised, though. To be fair, that was your version of holding laughs. That I was. Think. It was uh, The record was will show. Quiet. Uh, <sighs> I'm Arlie. <laughs> I've been thinking about midnighting as one of those late night DJs because you gotta make money somehow. And uh, I'm not quite there, but I think be? I'm getting close. Uh, hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, because you know, you know what your zoo crew name question. would be, but like it's a it's a smoother, less aggressive energy in the watches of the night. Try, anyway. No, I'm I, I I'm on the verge of something, and I'm trying not to make it bad. Um. <laughs> hmm. Trying not to make it bad has never occurred to me before. That sounds interesting. It's a good idea with promise. <laughs> I don't know. Well, sounds, sounds a little tough. Don't you know my listeners refer to me as... Oh no, I'm scared. DJ Gentle Mist. <laughs> Did you say Bist with a B? Mist. <laughs> like a cloud that rolls gently through your ears, tickling the inside of your soul. And letting you not know like a classic uh, puzzle game. That everything is gonna be all right. Is this episode gonna be all right though? Let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, this episode I think it might be is a doozy. We are here to talk about the eleventh episode of the third season of the CW original show Riverdale, Chapter Forty Six, The Red Dahlia, which was directed by Greg Smith and it was written by Devin Turner. And Will Ewing. And you might have felt what was what some people might call genre play at the top of this episode with me varying my standard introduction <laughs> from that sort of high energy, welcome one, welcome all, welcome, welcome, welcome sort of thing. Right, right. Oh, don't you know that the Red Dahlia was doing just the same thing? It's like poetry, baby. It rhymes. Mm-hmm. Much like the pointless shit that happened multiple times. In the Riverdale get out of town novel, it rhymes. So, I have a keyword in mind for the second episode. There's like a really obvious keyword that they feel like sort of hammering in with chapter 47. I'm curious, yes. do we have a keyword before we start launching we, into we have this a key episode? phrase. We have a key phrase, and I, I call I'm gonna go ahead and call it because it does. Uh, come up at least twice, and it was noticeable enough that I was like, "What? Huh?" Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with blood in the water for this one. Ah, blood in the water. Yeah. But on that note, on that theme, on that idea of blood in the water, Rob, could you do me the kindness of letting me know what the fuck happened this episode? 
<laughs> I can try. Jughead starts out typewriting to muted trumpets. And he says that Riverdale has become Noir Town. Just and going right in. In case you have any problems with um, uh, grasping the tropes being used here, he says, It is like unto the setting of a Raymond Chandler story. And here are some other references to noir things. Yeah. You are like, welcome, hey, audience. The most like, famous noir detective novelist. And just throws in just a, a little bouquet of references. And also just says the name of the genre. Yes. Just 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 says it. He could have said Action Town in it. <laughs> it is the level of subtlety that we have come to expect from Riverdale. And so that's what we're doing. We're doing a noir ass. At least episode. he pronounced it right and didn't what do anything. What were you concerned Dagobah? about? Oh, well, what? okay, he, sure. I mean, Neuer? Neuer Town? Neuer? <laughs> well, I mean, Neuer technically town. he didn't pronounce it correctly because that's not how the French say it, and that's a French word. Ah, that's... so this is. So you're so, on so team. Who... Uh, you're... You're on team Octopodes, then, for the plural of octopus. No, so... Uh, you're who among a, you're us a is going to You're a native language originalist. I'm, I'm absolutely not. My brother's a linguist. I've taken a bunch of, like, social anthropology <laughs> and linguistics classes. Because of its use case in English, especially as a way to define a genre, noir is actually pretty much what I would call a bona fide word. Yeah. That works. FB, who again is sheriff now, questions the Serpent Murder Boys about the tall boy incident and styles on them a bit, saying that they should probably come up with a better bullshit story for next time. The noir voiceover stuff uh, is fucking unrelenting in this episode. Like, I literally don't have the mana to play by play. No. It. Just suffice it to say that Jughead's noir references and little turns of phrase like, just constantly deluging between every scene. They're uh, happening. Have roughly the subtlety of a grand piano stuffed with clumsy references being dropped from a seventh-story window uh, falling on you, and you die. Yeah. I also want to draw attention to the fact that in this scene here, as FP is breaking things down with the, the lads, <laughs> he... I'm sure that we've been aware of this fact before, but it's been so long since I heard it that it really took my knees out from under me to hear FP refer to the man as Tall Boy Petite. Yeah, that fucking yeah. ruined me. My my notes just just say Tall Boy Petite with several question marks after it in all it's caps. Clever, Mine just see, says all caps Tall Boy Petite. His tallness is contrasted by the meaning of his name. <laughs> He's just a little guy. Also, his first name is Gerald. I'm just a little guy. My name's Tallboy. Hi. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Jughead's thing about I had a big problem, six foot five to be exact, was really fucking stupid also. Anyways, please yes, continue. Of course. <laughs> Betty complains to Hal that Claudius obviously didn't kill himself alone. Someone had to give him the cyanide, uh, which again, we sort of came up with this last time. You'd think... Poisoning uh, would run afoul of the preferences of at least one guard or police officer, but apparently mm -hmm. not. Not Rumple Jailskin, the. <laughs> no, Rumple Jailskin's a cold the, the ass motherfucker. <laughs> he loves when prisoners die. I just gotta he take him in and out. It. I just gotta <laughs> hand away the keys. I don't gotta clean nothing up. However it goes, baby. <laughs> 
Man, Rumple Jailskin. Cold blooded dude. He's anyway, gonna be a recurring character now. This of course raises the question of like, is there a reason that he was like is there going to be any explanation for how he was poisoned without raising any suspicion from anyone? Absolutely not. And my guess is no, but like it is awfully weird that he gets put in jail and then somehow ends up getting poisoned and we're probably just not gonna do anything. Anyway, Betty thinks that Penelope Blossom has poisoned just the like, as we go through it, frankly, absurd number of people who have died of poisoning, really. Yep. Uh, and Hal, additionally, thinks that she somehow was involved with Clifford Blossom's suicide, despite it not being poison. And, like, again, is there a reason for this? Or are we just, have like, choosing a character to say what I, I need someone I to I think say? we need to slow down, because there's a lot to unpack in the way that Hal presents in this scene, the way he talks about uh, Penelope. He's, he says, he's so horny on Maine. He says poison I, does suit her. Subtle. Subtle. Elegant. Elegant. And then they go on this <laughs> And he's fucking, talking to his daughter. He's talking to his daughter. And then he goes on a tear, just like an absolute goddamn tear, about how these murders are perfect murders. And these are way less than perfect murders. What the fuck? fuck are you talking about i love what this reveals about the underlying logic of riverdale though because he contrasts this to cliff blossom's suicide because if that truly was a murder cheryl was a witness and thus it is not it a was not a perfect murder, murder. A witness, so perfect the definition murder. of a perfect murder is not in front of anyone yeah. <laughs> which like yeah i guess but also I feel no? like you could do better. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, Hal does, in fact, want Betty to question Cheryl about what she saw to see if that can also be brought into the pattern of uh, Penelope just murdering everybody. Uh, Archie further angsts to his father, this time about how he worries he's not cut out for college. Which uh, he's not. He's not. <laughs> canonically, he is not. <laughs> FP instantly brings him back onto the construction crew where he works out his frustration on a pile of asphalt. Uh, I don't really he, see what he's getting done. He's uh, just slamming. He's breaking rocks. He's there with the hammer and he's but, slamming. He's slamming so hard that when the foreman comes and says, you got to take your break, boy, he says, I'm slamming here. And he says, no, you got to stop slamming. The union's going to give you a fine. And Archie's like, then I'll slam you. <laughs> yeah, he in fact That's tries exactly not to take. Too. Yeah, he in fact tries not to take his mandatory break. Uh, we learn then uh, as he immediately picks a fight with a foreman because he's he, he's a fucking just, idiot. Yeah, he just cannot not suck balls. Um, <laughs> and Archie's not an ally to workers, folks. Archie's a scab. He is. Boo. He sucks. Support your unions. Except for the police ones, because they're just uh, they're just fascists. They're bad. That's they're a bad really union. A union. Yeah, it's the only bad union. Uh, I'd say prison There's guards too. Some other bad unions, but well, they're cops too. They're just they're just cops who couldn't hack it. But anyway, <laughs> um, Elio Casino boyfriend extends well wishes regarding Hiram and his recent shooting to Veronica, though his sincerity is rather suspect. I hope your piece of shit dad feels fine in his stupid little hospital bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. That is exactly the line. Wow. I, I can't he, believe you remembered. Yeah. Delivered with such gravitas. How does he smell? I bet it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica then dresses like the well-off client from a noir story and wants to hire Jughead to find out who the person was who shot Hiram. And, uh, and Jughead uh, says, 
And Jughead says, nice hat. Yeah, he does. He calls it <laughs> real good. I don't know why I remember that. She, I just... This is something that Veronica does rather than just having Jughead help. So this is because they're friends. And rather than being involved herself or enlisting the help of Betty, the fucking investigator detective character uh, who has an actual track record. Uh, it's a very strange. Well, because <laughs> it's a very strange set of choices. She rolls up with an envelope full of cash. And she's like, I'll give you the other half when you're done. And this is not something we've ever known Jughead to do. Granted, no. if someone rolled up with a big wad of cash and is like, I need you to look into this, depending on I where I'm at, yes. I might I might say yes. Like it but it feels like there's an established rhythm there. And it is an established rhythm. It's the rhythm of the noir genre, but it's not a rhythm that yeah. exists between Veronica and Jughead. Also, again, you're just not fielding your best units when you're keeping Betty out of this. It's and she's busy. Yeah, she's busy. <laughs> Doing Foiling the perfect stuff. murder. Uh, yeah. Uh, we do get a golden fucking idiom for dying, though, which is kicking the maple barrel. <laughs> I hate it so much. I think that we could do a little you bit see, better. It's an idiom about dying, but it's from Riverdale. And so it's the maple barrel. Right. Yeah. You know? No, I got it. Oh, what happened to him? Oh, he kicked the maple barrel. I, I prefer sucking the maple barrel. He sucked the maple barrel. <laughs> Oh no, don't say that. Because you know, when you that's suck the terrible. maple barrel, you're going to bust. Yeah, that's just a little treat for when Rob edits the show. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm very curious as to what was said, but I'll, I'll wait for the for the show to be. Oh, released. I mean, we'll see if it even makes it into the show. Uh, Rob has every reason to edit it out because I was talking over him. <laughs> it's all right. We were talking over each other. That's what we do. No, it's fine. Um, the flashbacks so Hermione... were fucking weird. Like the black and white <laughs> flashbacks. Well, I'm getting back on track. <laughs> what are you gonna? What are you gonna do? You gonna fucking? You gonna fucking call me out on this fucking podcast for trying to trying to get on track? Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, no, far be it from me. Are you fucking? Bu- are you busting I'm my fucking chops right now? Me. Are you busting my fucking chops right now, Allie? <laughs> oh, no. Jesus fucking uh, Christ! Hermione, it turns out, is Veronica's primary suspect, and they do a black and white flashback of Hiram and Hermione arguing. I'm a little surprised the whole episode isn't black and white, but that would have been we already better. Did that I earlier, think. I think with something, did they? didn't we? I don't think they've done all black and white before, but they've played. Wasn't with there it. something in Halloween? One of the like, I feel like I it was another flashback thing, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I think it was anyway. one maybe section. Could, maybe you could have gotten away with the whole episode. Of I black think it was the section where we learned good. that Cheryl has a weird crush on Josie. I think that yeah. section of the episode was shot in black and white. Yeah, maybe so. But maybe if they so. did the whole episode in black and white, then they couldn't have the little green lamps. So you know that they're little green lamps mm. on the desk. Mm, you could have just had the green. That would have like, been uh, worse. I don't remember. I but know. I think about that particular <laughs> portion of that episode, and I think it was in black and white. Maybe with a pop of red for Cheryl's towel or something, but I could be wrong. Yeah, This could oh, be just be I retroactively don't... backfilling stuff. With something in it, make it less terrible. Hermione just, and I can't stress this enough, just the mayor takes a meeting with Jughead Jones, just answers his questions. And she uses her husband's classic defense. I didn't do these things, but she does volunteer for no reason that she caught Hiram having an affair. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was also funny. She produces a folder of photos. Surreptitiously she just taken has? By... <laughs> well, so... Yeah. Uh, surreptitiously taken by Sheriff Mineta, uh, supposedly before his death. We'll revisit that later. Uh, showing Hiram with some blonde woman so or other. So this is funny as hell to me because what Hermione breaks out here is the self-righteous Twitter posters defense. 
which is if I caught my husband cheating on me with some volatile blonde, I would simply ask him to end it, and he would. That is exactly how she says it, too. I simply asked yeah. him to end it, and he did. That That is the line. Yep, yep, yep. So she volunteers this information to Jughead, but then doesn't want him to make judgments based off of it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. His name's not Jughead, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say this? Because I'm in the zone uh, today, Arlie. I think you'll find. <laughs> yeah. Archie refuses to apologize about fucking up his dad's work site and literally whatever's Fred about the fight after refusing to acknowledge any responsibility. Fred confronts him with the booze that he's been hiding in his room and Archie just walks. Boy, he sucks. Yeah, I and appreciate Fred. Fred says Fred. something to him. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Oh, I, I don't remember what Fred yells at him out the door, but my notes say, get his ass, Fred. Yeah, so. no kidding. Uh, good job going on your spirit quest and killing your inner demon self, Archie. You still suck yeah. ass. You're still a stupid piece of shit. Mm -hmm. You're like, still a job. stupid little worm man. You're just a big oily hey, baby uh, rolling around all like over that. the place. What the fuck That's is wrong with fair. you? Betty turns up uh, to Claudius's wake mourn with us cousin super says. normal stuff to say <laughs> this is also where i feel like we start getting some shit with cheryl that runs very counter to the way she's been portrayed for a while in terms of her allegiance to the blossom family yeah very weird but i mean nana rose is there too and she hates all them too at this point yeah she also like throws some sick shade <laughs> Yeah, she isn't buying Penelope's sadness for a split fucking second. She, is Nana she Rose. just very, uh, very, um, I can't. Crocodile tears. Yes, I can't yeah. think of the word I want to use to describe that, but yes, that is what she says and how she says it. Um, uh, Cheryl does not want to discuss funny. her dad's suicide nor the other rash of deaths, so uh, Betty's going to have to look elsewhere for her information. Fortunately, there's someone's going to come through in a big way later. You'd be surprised. The Serpent Murder Boys are tasked with unspecified mischief by Jughead in hopes of getting to a point where it is safe to move Tallboy's Tallbody. <laughs> it's really funny. He says it's too hot to move him right now, and my immediate reflex was, ooh, this place is going to start stinking soon. Yep, it's going to be a stanky, stanky gotta, place. I mean, if it doesn't already stink like shit, you because got, they've had a body in there for like two days at least. You got six feet five inches of dead man flesh in a hot bunker <laughs> that's just gonna get sticky sweet soon yeah, it's gonna be bad Ooh, it's right um <laughs> veronica then does the natural thing that you would definitely do uh when your mafia boss dad is uh convalescing from a near fatal gunshot wound uh and fires his bodyguards <laughs> She also calls uh, them clowns, which was very funny yeah. to me. Um, she then fucking hires Reggie and Smithers as new so capos. This is Buck Wild. Like, why is Veronica taking the lead on so much of this mob stuff at all? Yeah, where's her Hermione's got to keep her hands this? clean. And like, doesn't she have other family members who are in the mob? I don't know. I feel like that I was touched on. That was that was established previously. We've forgotten show. about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I didn't forget Riverdale Writer's Room. I remember. You may uh, have, but I didn't. <laughs> River do's and river don'ts, remember? And um, it's also really weird because she's been in a place of conflict with Hiram for a while. Like, he's been, quite frankly, screwing her over 
for oh, a yeah. hot minute, and I know he got shot. Like, majorly. This is not the first time in this episode that I feel it's important to remind the listeners that Hiram Lodge is the villain of this show. He is. <laughs> for the time being, yeah. And... And we've actually taken great strides to make sure that everyone understands that he's the only villain. Like, er- all the other villains are sub-villains right, yeah. of Hiram yeah. Lodge. To Daddy Hiram. He, he runs the League of Villains. Like Yes. Everything comes back to him. And anyway. So, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. There was our stent- there was ostensibly the bit at the end of the last episode where Veronica's like, did you shoot my fucking dad? And Archie's like, what the fuck? Nah, dude. But, like, this is a weird jump from that to me. Yeah, yeah, like, it's one thing to be upset about your dad getting shot. It's another thing to go, like, okay, I guess I'm taking over his mob now. She also yeah. uses the word mob splain. I love um, it. While yes. she's firing. How dare you mob splain this said, to me? I think that we should um, align with the Grandes. And she's like, don't you mob splain this to me. <laughs> Elio's family? <laughs> no mob splain. Elio allowed. Grande? Bulio oh, Lapis? God. Makes you think. <laughs> Elio, get the stretch. Elio! Oh. Um. So, when they're sort of putting their heads together about how to run this shit now, uh, Veronica, her, like, recent boyfriend who is canonically extremely dumb, mm-hmm. uh, and this ancient man, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Smithers tells a ghoulish fucking story about what sounds to be World War One, but that's impossible. It's gotta uh, be so two, I guess, but still. I guess a trench part of World War Two. How fucking old I is think, this man? Well, I think okay. he maybe served in World uh, and, and it's just all a ham-fisted setup for we should do a deception. Right. Like, it's... Wow. I, I've got some I questions. I remember when um, I was down in the trench, knees deep what, in the blood it, of the fucking krauts, splishing and sploshing all over me. I ate their bones for breakfast. What were we talking about? <laughs> I've got a boner. So, so this this ties into my one of my questions, which is: Is Smithers also a war criminal? Yeah. Are there two war criminals in Riverdale? He and Pop Tate got up to some fucking shit. Uh huh. But and also, what war are they war criminals of? I mean, all by, of them. <laughs> I think it's World age. War One and either Korea or Vietnam. Well, okay, World War One doesn't make any fucking sense because that happened in the early 1900s. Um, oh yeah, uh, Smithers is trench. like 130 years old. It's fine. Yeah, no, there was trenches. <laughs> all all his war crimes just made him retain his youth so yeah. much. Um, except yeah. now he's old as shit, so you can't really tell. Um, yeah, but he's not 130 years old. No, uh, so, so like maybe they I put Smithers on ice for a while. He just look a day over ninety six. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he does look fucking ancient. Is the thing? Yeah, and um, like, since we last saw him, too, like man, just the hammer of time came down on him. Yeah, <laughs> the reasons Veronica gives for choosing these two people is like um, Smithers as my former doorman. And Reggie, my jack, as, jack, as my of all jack, trades. jack of all trades. <laughs> I'm like, that's not good enough reasons to have fired your train, your dad's However, train. However, it's perfectly consistent with the level of thought that's gone into every decision she's ever it's made. Also, oh, yeah, it's absolutely. Fine. It's just not a good enough reason to have done what she did. I wonder you know. if for her, the thing with smizzer, Smithers, the thing with Smithers, <laughs> smithers <laughs> is... 
he had to know what was going uh, on because he was the doorman for so long. When we mob, we do it right. Hiring smizzers. <laughs> oh my god, feeling fly like a G six. Yes. Yeah. Now, 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 we feeling so fly like a G six. They played that every twenty minutes at my middle school dances. I just want you both to know that. And also all the listeners. Man. Oh, that really puts Man. our age so they, gap they into They played a song about getting drunk and robo-tripping at your school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, technically, Dude. they weren't at the school. They were at the ranch of uh, students' family that went to the school. Um, and they put us all in this tent on the ranch. Oh, damn. <laughs> and they played Fly Like a G6. Or I guess it's just Like a G6. Yeah. Uh, about once every 20 to 30 minutes. Um and we were we were all just fucking boogieing, uh, so <laughs> boogieing down, huh? Yeah, doing yeah, the as jitterbugs do. Yeah. Okay. I. You know, I'm gonna try something really avant garde and read some notes here. Uh, Bughead, <laughs> do some investigating. Uh, turns out Claudius had no autopsy and was quite quickly cremated. Tracking down Hiram's supposed mistress, they find a, a what I what I could only describe in my notes at the time is a weird grape sex place. Mm-hmm. Grape sex? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, stew well, in my hey, ignorance on what that Marley, means. I feel like I don't want to know. Let's, well, you know how they did surgery on a grape? God damn it! Yes, I know how they did surgery on a grape. Well, yeah. it's like that. <laughs> um. So you clearly looked down or were like working on a craft project or something while watching this. Uh, one of the yeah. clients that they scare off at the Maple Club uh, is a man who is having a bunch of grapes erotically rubbed <laughs> <Yeah>. on him. How <laughs> did I watch this episode twice and not notice that? I don't know. It's a, it's truly it's a gift. It's truly a gift. Um, your your mind is very good at protecting itself from sanity damage. <laughs> it really um, is. I'm, but anyway, it's, so it's the Maple Club. It's all red velvet and like fucking like obviously super brothelly. Uh, they run immediately into Penelope Blossom. Uh, she then, in a pattern that's developing, just sits down for a meeting with the investigating characters. It's so fucking Who are funny. children? She's not like your minors. Get out of here. She's like, no. She's like, yes. Let's come to my all office. Right, I will talk to you about my crimes, and I'll tell you about how much I hate men. The one thing I'm justified in. Right. Like we'll get there. <laughs> so, we'll get there to what yeah yeah yeah. so she sits down for a meeting with them (laughs) and they really dive straight into the nitty-gritty they just acknowledge textually that she was in fact in her past child trafficked into the blossom family by the sisters of quiet mercy right there's also there's also this weird thing that happens when they lead into things this conversation with her because they do kind of threaten her and it feels for a second like Bughead are about to get super swerfy. Yeah, there's there's some very strong undertones of sex work is bad in this episode. They saved it a little bit in that, like, when she said, oh, I'm not exploiting these people. Like, Bughead just don't believe her because they know she's a piece of shit. And they, they basically said, there's no way anyone is benefiting but you. Like, there's no way you are not screwing yeah, everyone over in this enterprise. Yeah, that is good. Except that it doesn't escape the gravity of the swerfish implications that people are only in sex work if they are being coerced or trafficked. Oh, sure. Like having the really shitty, terrible woman running the sex club is like, "Mm, you could have you could have made a better choice there. Yeah. Uh, So like (laughs) textually or in universe, it makes sense that they don't like buy what she's saying about her like lack of culpability but it does sort of set the whole thing in an unfavorable light and like yeah 
it is unfavorable because we have a villainous, murderous character whose only character trait is horny and does sex work mm-hmm. stuff. And that is probably, at its root, that's what the problem is. It's right. like the only depiction of sex work so far has been what? Like Penelope Blossom and Chick? Yes, correct. Yeah, both of whom were like, framed that's, as that's terrible not great. villains. So. Yeah, they, they, but they both turn out to be psychos. Right. So that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> There's kind of a representation problem here. Yeah, yeah. it is. De- oh, and Betty doing like camming as a minor. Right. Um, Because that also happened. Let's let's not forget. I don't. As much although as I'm willing to go out on a limb and say to. that actually was bad. Uh, that was no, bad. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. That was bad. She but was when a she minor, does it live like, instead of on a camera, it's actually just an initiation and it's actually good. Right. Uh, no. <laughs> so far, the way the show has portrayed sex workers has been either fundamentally depraved or as being something that happens along the trail of like personal corruption right fortunately we're rescued from this scene by dr curdle jr calling with what's uh, plausibly the autopsy report from clifford blossom's death hold on so i gotta i gotta stop here again before we move on there's a lot of shit that happened in the scene that was weird yes there's a lot they're, of visual stuff going on. They're talking on. about the poison. And they're like, you know about poisons, yada, yada, yada. They ask about the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, right? And she says, she, when she talks about being trafficked by them, and she says, it was the Monsignor who did it. And then they're like, wait, so you didn't kill the fake nuns? And I- well, She got, could have still killed the fake nuns is the thing. And I got really hung up on the fake nuns thing. It's like, yeah, they weren't recognized by the Catholic Church, but as far as I could tell, they were like legit nuns in terms of the way they live their lives. Yeah. <laughs> their habits. Hey. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. This is uh, this is not Queensmith. I don't have to sit here and take that. Uh that's probably fair. Yeah, it's 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 very odd. You didn't kill um, the fake nuns. And like she she definitely still could have just because it was the Monsignor that child trafficked yeah. her away doesn't mean she couldn't have killed those people. Like I'm sure excited about if she didn't though and they have to come up with someone else who could have done it because I feel like they are just out here killing people and doing stuff with no idea how they're going to explain it. They're like, that's a problem for future writers. You're going to look like such a fool, Rob. You're going to look like such a fool when they reveal that all along it was Bartholomew, the worm of poison. (laughs) (laughs) I love that guy. He's great. Who doesn't love Bartholomew, the worm of poison? Uh, Probably probably Penelope Blossom, because she sucks. Um, He's also honing in on her territory a little bit, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Josie does a very noir-y musical number while Archie drinks himself under the bar at the Bonhui. Good thing we updated that bar to have alcohol so that Archie can self-destruct on it now. I think it would have been funnier Uh, if he was like... It, it was, I think it did happen. I think it was pretty understated, it was like but I think, it did, I think as part of the we can't make enough money, yeah. I think Elio ended up uh, convincing he, Veronica to right. like bring some booze in. Probably. Yeah, it was it was part of the poker episode. Um, okay. I think it would have been so much funnier, though, if they hadn't done that and Archie was just getting fucking shwasted on like orange juice. On Schweppes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that thing that teenagers do, in fact, do. Like, Where they the, fake if you tell them that because if you tell them something cool. has alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, that would be and, fucking hilarious. It would be very funny. Anyway, Reggie admonishes Archie to call it a night, and only Josie's intervention saves Archie an ass-kicking via Bouncer. 
Uh, Josie throws Archie in a bathtub in what might be uh, the Andrews home. I'm not I've sure. Never seen that I thought it was like a back room at the at the you know the speakeasy Maybe? slash diner. The what? I thought it might have been like a back room or something at the speakeasy slash diner because it didn't look like a bathroom in a home. You mean oh 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 you mean the speakeasy? Yeah, the speakeasy. Oh yes, I'm so sorry. The speakeasy. Yeah. Ooh, the speakeasy. Right, right, How could right, I right. forget? <laughs> Also, Uh, I feel like they were doing more weird shit with Josie's vocals in this one in terms of... It wasn't as bad, I think. It wasn't as blatant as last time. I was paying attention to that on my second watch um, because I was actually sober for that one. Unlike Archie. and um, Who is given an old clothes on cold shower. As you do. uh, One of those classic cocks. C-O-C-S, clothes on cold shower, that's a cox. Uh, I, I, was, I was watching Rob's face process <laughs> Which was arguably funnier than the thing that was actually said. Yeah. I was watching him oh. go, oh god, it works. <laughs> yeah, I told you, I'm in the fucking zone today. You really are, oh. holy shit. My fucking god. go off, dude. <sighs> Veronica does a collections run on her father's businesses by having Reggie dress as Hiram and have the window of the limo. That's when there's his driving just slightly down, like about hat level. So two characters have dressed as Hiram over two episodes, right? I like unless I'm wrong, that's just a thing that we do. And I think that that actually is really great evidence for how much they've like overly centralized Hiram as like the only reason anything ever happens they ever. They have to have everyone disguised as Hiram. They have to have everyone else disguising themselves as Hiram. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just the funniest shit in the world. Having like this ancient old man like driving around the car and then Reggie just sitting there being like, ooh, you know, it's me. <laughs> I'm cool. Like, with a smirk on his face and everything, he's like, what they don't know is this the old register in here, baby. <laughs> it's Rajonica time. Ooh, yeah, I love that Rajonica. <laughs> what a terrible It turns show. out the Penelope Blossom requested there be no autopsy on her husband. However, Dr. Curdle Sr., from way downtown, I'm talking beyond the grave... Just did one anyway, out of personal curiosity. We need to stop. What a guy! We need to stop at however, because you can't just however this. You can't just request that your husband not get an autopsy. (laughs) That seems highly probable, yes, that you can't just do that. Having been in a situation recently, having been in my life in a situation that might have some echoes to that situation, you, you really can't just be like, no autopsy, please. Like... They need to make sure that there was no foul play. It was someone who was at the center of a murder investigation? Like, what in the fuck? It, it'd be easy to just pay Curdle off. Like, that's his exactly. whole fucking thing. That's, that's how you do this. That is how, as a rich and influential person, you cook this. Like, that's literally his whole character. He's a fucking freak who loves dead bodies and money. It's true. And then he just like did the shit like anyway. Son. But like, uh, yeah, he, it's just it's just Honestly, that like, lack of that lack of research, that lack of acumen in the writer's room. Like, how would grift. a rich person who doesn't want to get in trouble for murder make sure that they don't? Oh, that's right. They would call the autopsy place and say, no, thank you, please. Uh, and we'd like to. And, that's, and, and that out. does it. That, that takes care of it. Nothing they can do. I checked the box that says no autopsy, please. The uh, coroner at Riverdale uh, is basically like Democrats when they're uh, coming up with reasons not to help uh, the people. The Senate parliamentarian. 
said that you don't oh, have to run no, on Oh no, they called me and said that I shouldn't do this thing, so I can't. I have no I just can't do anything. Oh, I'm so <laughs> tiny. <laughs> oh, my baby, I'm so sad. I can't do it. It's the money is so big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, the money is so big. I don't know where to find two thousand dollars. Yeah, you can definitely do this scene. Just to, she bribed him to do a false autopsy, but no, of course not. There just wasn't an autopsy, except there was because, you know what? Let's let's thank our lucky stars though that they missed how the crime would actually work because this allows us to have the situation where there wasn't supposed to be an autopsy and Doctor Curdle was such a freak that there is one anyway. I think it's extremely funny. He loves dead people so much. He's like, I gotta figure this shit out. I gotta pop the hood on this baby see what's going on it's extremely funny that he got paid off to not do it like definitely and he was like "Eh, ultimate grift i'm gonna fucking do this shit anyways get my jollies off and i got paid extra fuck yeah because i love bodies and mutilating bodies it's that simple for money the thing is i don't know that he even got paid extra i don't think that he got paid the colonel clan are men of simple needs and they found their niche they are at peace in their environment i mean like canonically he did not get paid off but i like if we were to follow this very tenuous thread of logic, then like he probably got paid off and just was like, eh, I'm gonna do it anyway. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so it turns out pufferfish venom was found in oh, his bloodstream. Yeah, he was dead before his hanging. It's definitely a setup. I I have a question. As a person who doesn't know science very well, they talked about bruising on his neck that was consistent with um like hanging wounds. Would he have bruised if he were already it dead? It seems. It seems like one of those so things my, I don't think that, that you would know bruising? happened after death by examining the body. My understanding is it depends on how close to the right. time of the of death it was. But right, you, because like blood flow and all that. But again, this is just one of those things that like makes it a crime that you would not get away with. <laughs> right, and so you probably would have bruises that look f- kind of fucked up because it, they happen post-mortem. Not to mention, like, the way that you die from pufferfish venom is going to leave a bunch of evidence as well, but... Yeah, no, whatever. it was a... Uh, I think that you're <laughs> wrong there, Rob, because we know explicitly that the way that Penelope Blossom per- murders people is two things. Say it with me, folks. Simple and, and elegant. elegant. Yeah. <laughs> And Hal is so horny. Sorry, I just, he's so horny. Simple and clean <laughs> is the way that you're making me feel tonight. God damn it! It's hard to let it go. Hold me. It Whatever lies beyond this morning, psh, is it anything at all? Regardless of warnings, <sighs> the future never scared me at all. Rob, you don't know what's happening, do you? I 100% Nothing's know like before. Utada Hikaru, okay. what's going on right now. All right. Uh, but in a second beat of what might be a three beat, <laughs> stay tuned. Josie gives Archie some folksy hangover cure to drink. Uh, and she suggests, hey, Archie, how about a new character arc? <laughs> <laughs> she suggests music or boxing to channel his energy because he's a fucking mess. <laughs> he instead decides from this, you know what would be good? Is to go beat Hiram to death in his hospital No, bed. it's really funny because she's like, you need to calm your shit down, right? Archie, you need to like cool it, and Archie's like, you know what? Oh God, darn it! I'm so f- I'm so messed up. I gotta go. I gotta go, and I gotta kill Herman. I gotta kill that fucking guy, Herman, the guy who was in my dreams, Herman. I gotta kill him. 
What? <laughs> what the Fargo fuck is happening? That's what right happened now. to Archie. He says, "I don't want to do no music or no backs." And maybe at a later time, I can connect with someone at the gym, and we can do like a little, a <laughs> uh, little jam session between the two of us. But I gotta kill Herman right now. <laughs> hey, hey, okay Quinn. then, says Josie. Hey, Quinn, how much uh, Trailer Park Boys have you been watching recently? Uh, I haven't watched Trailer Park Boys recently. I watched Drop Dead Gorgeous last weekend. Ah, there it is. It's one of my favorite Oof. movies. Anyways. Veronica discovers, and I quote, a shady collection of invoices and receipts. This is so fucking funny. Which apparently is just kept around and easily accessible, which prove that Hermione is herself involved in the Fizzle Rocks business. That's great, because every time in my notes for this episode, for the, these two episodes, I've typed Fizzle Rocks, I've written it out. Fizzle Rocks. I want you guys I just to know. started spelling rocks R A H K S. Ah, uh, see, I said uh, yes, R A H H H C K S. I recently bought some pop rocks, and the entire time I was doing this, my brain was just Quinn's voice on repeat saying Fizzle mm-hmm. Rocks. <laughs> also, when I opened the bag, they smelled like fucking paint thinner. Um, yeah, which was. They're not good. Horrifying. No, they're not. I did it. I did it purely for the bit, um, and I regret it because they smell terrible. They taste fine, but they smell terrible. Yeah, they they stinky. And people, by the way. Hey, you ever notice that folks these days? I've been working on a stand-up comedy, but you're gonna have to roll with me here. You ever notice that folks these days? They seem to just they keep they seem to keep liking to put pop rocks in things where pop rocks don't belong. They put it in like they'll put it in pancakes. They'll put it in ice cream. <laughs> Um, it's absolutely deranged shit as far as I'm concerned. If I wanted for my tongue to feel that way, I'd like a goddamn car battery, if you know what I'm saying. Thank you, everyone. It's been a good night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, very good. Um, Hermione cries foul at the accusation, saying that Hiram lied to her, and that the reason she ordered the quarantine and was in on the quarantine was as a smokescreen to allow Hiram to quickly and quietly dismantle his drug business. Uh... <laughs> Let me get through this paragraph. Let me get through this paragraph, and then we will we will go okay, off. Okay, I'm just but saying. But instead this, of I agreeing can't. and doing what he, <laughs> it's not me this time. I'm sorry. I just this is the wackest shit in the universe. It's pretty bad. <laughs> but instead of getting rid of the drug business, he simply consolidated it all into the prison rather than shutting it down. Without telling her. Veronica suggests that they destroy all the drug stuff to get back at Hiram for all the shit that he's done to both of them at this point. But Hermione wants to sell the drug business. Make a lot of money. I cede the floor. (laughs) Quinn, go ahead. I just... It's so fucking funny. (laughs) Because we watched the thing, right? We watched the episode where they instigated the quarantine. And then there's been nothing for two episodes. We're like, why the fuck was there a quarantine? This doesn't make any fucking sense. And they finally got around to figuring out why it had to happen. And they're like, oh, it was for the Fizzle Rocks. And then they said, "Uh uh-uh, we got to do one over on that. It's not good enough that it was to shut down the Fizzle Rocks. Hiram wanted to combine it. He wanted to clean it up, put it into one facility, the prison facility. Uh... I spent some time wondering how the quarantine would help. God save us all, I guess. 
yeah, Mr. Governor. It was just the um, gravitas of that scene. Everything about it made it feel like there was some real serious, genuine shit going on that was yeah, going to carry. Yeah, I was real excited at the time. I thought something good was actually going to happen, or at least something really bombastic and crazy. And then, like, you know, I, I was getting like, ooh, we're going to get another Judgment Night kind of vibes right. from no, that. We and had... like, we got fucking nothing. That was a high high. And then they shit on it immediately the next episode, and they finally worked out why they had to do that dramatic seeming thing. And look. It's so underwhelming. Don't, don't get me wrong. I've been there before. Sometimes you follow your gut instinct, and you like you throw something in, and you're like, I'm gonna uh, end this thing on a cliffhanger. I feel it in my gut, and then you gotta kind of figure it out later. This is hardly figuring it out. This is really, really yeah. actually quite, quite bad and And it's really funny that <laughs> that... <laughs> That Veronica just found papers that she had signed. And she's like, you're obviously culpable for this. He's got your fucking signature right here. And she's like, no, I don't. And Hermione just goes, no, Veronica. Her her exact response is, no, Veronica. And then Veronica keeps talking. Yeah, that's all it takes. If you're a lodge, you just get to say, nah. Um, Betty confronts Penelope with okay. her cereal poisonings. And Penelope more or less admits it, but says they were all bad men who got killed. Well, Clifford killed Jason. Daryl Doily was a shit man in unspecified ways. And Claudius was responsible for the seizure outbreak. Daryl was a Judas. He was. Also, you missed the best part of this scene, which is when she goes full Joker. And she says, actually, men are the true poison. And we live in a society. (laughs) When you think about it, the cat is stepping on the board. Hey, buddy, don't do that. (laughs) <laughs> when you really think about it he is thank you thank you for your help um yeah when you think about it men are the- god damn it bud <laughs> yeah she, she's like yeah i killed all these men it's it's cool because uh, clifford killed jason daryl doily was a shit man judas i think that's what we can compromise on and claudius was responsible for the seizure outbreak so it turns out the fizzle rocks runoff caused the seizures and for some reason only girls were affected by this, and she literally says, I'm not a doctor, It's rather than explain. Well, She's I'm... like, booyah, I get to kick this can down the road. I'm no doctor. <laughs> yeah, Jughead's like, I'm an so why? And she then says to Betty, hey, murder's not that bad. You killed Chick, after all. It's mutually assured destruction. She killed the imposter Chick. Which is fair uh, enough. That was okay, just, she so used that specific he, phraseology, the imposter chick. Okay, so if we're going by comic book rules, we never saw a body. Chick might still be alive. Correct. Oh yeah, totally. But if he is dead, um, I don't think that a minor who was being threatened by a serial killer can be held culpable for that. Well, it's not about whether or not you can be held culpable for it. It's about whether or not it's a point of pain for you that you can twist. Yeah, I was <sighs> gonna say. Do you mean to suggest, Arlie? that Penelope Blossom may have been less than fair? Mm, that doesn't make sense because yeah! according no. to my notes, Penelope Blossom's name in town is My Fair Lady. And in my notes, what's next is, and that's when Betty realized no one's innocent in crime, the crime town. town. The fucking number one line. I lost my fucking gourd. I can't I believe that was laughing. in it. He just says no one's innocent in crime town. And- and he said it. He said the line. He was able to, at some point, at some. He did a take where he delivered the line without pissing his pants laughing. Audibly. I, 
Yes. Uh, Cole Sprouse is a fucking acting genius. I don't care what anyone else says. The shit they make him say on the show that he delivers with a straight face is absolutely beyond me. The thing is, this scene actually bears that theory out. He makes some inspired acting choices in this scene that we're about to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about this. Jughead tracks down the mystery mistress of Hiram Lodge, who he now knows to be a water inspector. Oh. oh. And finds a Glamourge <laughs> egg in her office before Ooh. she shows up and holds him at gunpoint. He points out that the egg goes smash if she shoots him and then proceeds to interrogate her at juggle point. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry? He's threatening her by juggling the yeah. Fabergé egg, so he's interrogating her at juggle yeah. point. I I can't. I can't take this. This is too much for me. It hurts me. You're hurting me. I'm, I'm sorry. She's perhaps a little <laughs> less bizarrely cooperative than the previous people who Jughead has questioned in this episode, so that is at least something. It's This whole thing, though, I think him doing the shit with the egg is good. I like that. I thought that worked well, and I thought that Cole Sprouse sold it like a motherfucker. Like he, it was pretty good. He made it work. He knew he knew he had leverage, and he, he was made enjoying it. Work. It. it was good. Yeah. Um. <sighs> so, are we ready to transition out of this scene, or are we gonna? Oh wait, I, I do need to point out uh, one I, thing. Yeah, my next thing is not really the next scene. It's like a, a a little bit of a summary of like what we have to come to believe here. But like, if we want to do something with this scene, uh, go ahead. So at the because at the end of the interrogation. Jughead throws the egg at her. Like, he just sort of throws the yes. egg and she catches it. But she's got a gun in her hands. And I just think yes. it would be the funniest shit in the world if she scrambles to catch the egg and just, like, blows her firearm off. Just fucking pop, 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 pop. Just shoots it a few times as she's trying. Just tears her fucking office yeah. up. Just fucking blasts while she's catching the egg. That would be very funny. You're right. She's like, oops. That's why what a missed opportunity. you always engage the safety on your firearm before you scramble to catch a Glamour J egg. It's gun safety 101. It's the first thing they tell you in gun school. <laughs> yes, because gun school is a thing. Yeah. Um, also, the uh, the woman playing this water inspector is Kelly Ripa, who is Mark Consuelos' wife, which is great. Oh, wait, of Regis and got Kelly? Visit, got, yeah. Got to visit hubby at the job i yeah. guess yeah and be his mistress on the tv nice um very funny there are some of the few celebrities that i don't just absolutely despise and hold a lot of vitriol for um so it's 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 nice it's very cute um, they love their so, children so much anyways i'm done I'm to done. like to, to sort of like bring us around and, and, and sort of gather the threads together here what we have is an industrial pollution cover-up where the governor was lied to. But wait, the runoff thing was a Claudius Hiram joint. Yeah. So the lie to the governor about there needing to be a quarantine was at Hermione's behest, and Hiram double-crossed her. So do we need to believe that Hiram was willing to involve the governor just in order to not say no to his wife? <laughs> yeah, bud. You know how wives are. <laughs> I'm uh, looking at a vinyl decal. Uh, that my friend has sent me that says POW, prisoner of wife. Oh my God. Is relevant yeah. and also wildly disrespectful. Well, well, the old ball and chain says I gotta call the governor and shut down the town for five weeks. I guess I'm gonna do it. You know how it goes. <laughs> Busting my balls. I never even get sex. That's Hiram Lodge. That's my Hiram Lodge impression. Yeah. 
very good. Very good. You weren't you enough. I, the like only him. note I do have one small performance note. If you're willing to, to, if you're in a mood to take notes, I'm riding high today. Um, Lay it on me. Uh, which is that you needed to be more obsessed with teen boys. Oh, yeah. uh, if you could bring a little more obsessed with teen mm, boys okay. energy into it, I think you've got it. I'll think in. about it. I'll I'll try to bring it back around if we have the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so Sweet Pea, it turns out, has been following Hermione Lodge. That that was some of the unspecified mischief assigned. Mm-hmm. She's having an affair with the notably not beheaded Sheriff Mineta. Damn, he fucking and he got a head? <laughs> yeah. And like, their plan is that he's gonna kill Hiram in the hospital using a sheriff's gun to frame FP. Uh, uh, My favorite thing that's is that they say... Not- with that's not how ballistics they say with work. such confidence several times a sheriff issued pistol and i'm like we all know one of those those sheriff issued pistols and it's just even if they were the same type of gun no that's not how ballistics they, work the, that's not how rifling marks the striations are, are right. different like if, if you watched a crime show even guns just are very them, uh very fingerprinty like you will know i literally learned this shit from phoenix wright <laughs> They're just so confident about the fact that it's like a similar gun is going to just hold Fool up everyone. in court. It's going to get FP. No, it's not. But again, they don't know anything. They just they just go for it. Archie sneaks into Hiram's hospital room with a fucking gun from some toilet or Thank other. Thank you. I, I had Archie's got <laughs> another toilet gun? toilet gun. <laughs> I'm sad we didn't see him retrieve it. Jughead then tells FP to stay away from the hospital because he's getting set up. He basically has, at this point, bribed Colonel Jr. to give up that Hermione paid him to fake Mineta's death. Jughead's ready to have FP put Hermione and Mineta away for conspiring to kill Hiram, but FP admits to shooting Hiram himself. Oh, no. Whoa. It was revenge for Riot Night. Apparently, Tallboy's corpse can somehow solve the Jones' problems. I though, love so. that, how they're like, we're getting close to the episode. We only got a few minutes left. We got to dovetail this shit, and I don't care how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's true. Archie monologues to Hiram about how fucked up his life has been ever since he first met him and prepares to shoot him, but skedaddles when another gunman no. shows up and he shoots the gunman. Like, I'm so in fucked a fit up. Of, what am I doing here? Oh my god. In a, oh. In a fit of what I can only describe as lawful stupidity, he simply is like, ah, crime man. Kaboom. Maybe I shoot the crime man. Which, like, what? Isn't someone gonna ask why you were in a hospital with a gun? No. Uh, that's be- because Archie was obviously hiding on the ceiling like Spider-Man. When the person <laughs> yeah. came in there, he shot up and was up in the corner. Um, he shot yeah. up. Jeez. He blasted. His right self-destruction is really just just, just, <laughs> no, just hitting the gas here. That, is there a new type of drug in Riverdale that it has a stupid name that we haven't heard yet? Because you can't shoot up Jingle Jangle or Fizzle Rat. It's actually, it's, yeah, well, you mix them both together in, in like <laughs> boiling water. Reaction. Uh-huh. You boil them together, and once it's cooled down, you can shoot up the jizzle rocks. <laughs> jizzle rocks. <laughs> what, oh. about, what about jizzle jocks? How do we feel about that? Oh, I think you're right. It actually is jizzle jocks. <laughs> um, that's just the red circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interpret for the listening audience i may have killed them all right do you see the tears oh god any anyhow, anyway fuck. uh 
FP and Alice have set up uh, recording stuff for an interview in the sheriff's office, and Hermione is pretty surprised to see them. They pin the shooting on Tallboy and subtly let her know that they know about Minetta, so it's another kind of mutually assured distraction situation. Mm-hmm. Veronica suspects Hermione orchestrated Hiram's shooting to sell his drug empire off and wants to destroy the drugs before anything can be finalized. Veronica leaves Reggie to do the sabotage operation alone because she gets a very important text message from her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, and she says Reggie's a bad boy. Reggie, you're a bad boy. You can do this all by yourself, baby. Thank you. Archie's calling. I gotta go see him at hospital. Love you. You're a bad boy. <laughs> it's... Yeah. So... That is exactly what happens, Yes. Archie and Veronica have a little talk, and Hiram's awake and wants to talk to Archie. Knows Archie saved hey, his life, and so apparently Archie you're a teen just boy. doesn't look at me here. In my bed. I'm this little guy. I got shot, and I don't like when I have a bullet in me. So why don't we shake our hands, little, uh, little guy, a teen man, and we can have a little truce, or else you know the old ball and chain's gonna come in here and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you don't want that, do we, Arch? I feel profoundly uncomfortable. You said to make it more about teen boys, so... Yeah, yeah, you're right. You did take the note, and I, I and in hindsight, I'm regretting uh, perhaps either giving the note or not uh, giving a little more nuance uh, on the note, a little more explication. But apparently Archie just doesn't hate Hiram anymore, folks. That was the Hiram funniest wants to talk to him, shit. And Hiram effectively grants him a truce as a thank you for saving his life. And... Judging simply by this scene, it appears that we are going to just let Hiram be a bad crime man now. It's so fucking funny. Archie says, I don't hate him anymore, Veronica. And it's like, what? What? <laughs> the spirits! How? They did it all in one you night! Were... So you did psychically assassinate him before, yeah. which he could feel. He could feel that from miles away. Everyone knows that you can feel when somebody psychically assassinates you. Um, yeah. It makes it, you poop. It makes... it makes you poop yourself. Like just right where you're standing. It's 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 really terribly it's very awkward. bad business. Um, <laughs> and then he was about to do it again, and we have to conclude that Archie fled into the corner, and as he was watching things go down, he had to have this like complete emotional realization about his situation and his relationship to Hiram, the ways in which. Archie may or may not have been culpable for what happened, which I'd argue he's in some ways like not very culpable for being a fucking 16 year old boy Um, and then coming to peace with it and deciding, ah, now I will defend this man. And it's water under the bridge. It's it's like, what if you did the whole arc of like how the Joker doesn't want to kill Batman uh, even when he can? Uh, but instead of it being like a story, it's just something that happens like literally off screen between scenes. Yeah, it just, I I know that he's powerful stupid, stuff, but I don't think he's that stupid because he talks about he talks about how the worst part of it all was after his dad had been shot by the Black Hood. How Hiram sent basically a fucking hitman to their house just to spook try him. to finish him off. Yeah, and it, like and- I'm sorry if someone did that to my loved one, I would not just forgive them in an instant. I don't think I would ever forget. I think them. you underestimate how emotionally powerful retreating to that corner of the hospital room was. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I haven't even been in a hospital in years, so you're right. I, I have no idea what that could feel like. It changes you. I, anyway. I guess uh, so. 
Veronica and Reggie burn a vast quantity of fizzle rocks. And uh, Betty is unsure of whether to turn Penelope in, feeling sorry for her, uh, despite the various murders. Hal is obviously pleased with Betty's moral views getting grayer, hoping that it means eventually she may forgive him uh, and and uh, do some sort of, you know, fun father-daughter activity, uh, like killing people. Archie takes Josie up on both music and boxing offers, realizing that, oh, she didn't mean I needed to go kill Hiram Lodge. She actually meant music and boxing. Hermione's buyer turns out to have paid in advance, and the money went to a governor bribe, so that the lodges are just fucked. Good job, Veronica. But man, I love the detail that, like, the reason they needed to do all this money was to bribe the governor to do a to, to do a quarantine. They needed to do a quarantine to cover the sale of drug supplies that was used to raise money to cover up the quarantine. It, if you don't think about it, it makes perfect sense. That's the key. You can't think about it. Hermione then visits Jughead, who gives the big here's what happened monologue that you might expect in a noir crime tale. Hermione points out that there is mutually assured destruction with FP, leading to an interesting situation here where there's a trifecta of weird truces. There's Jughead and Hermione, Archie and Hiram, and Betty and Penelope, who are all like opposed to each other, but kind of not now. Hermione then ends the guest star contract, I mean, loose end, by shooting the fuck out of Mineta. Like three times. And I feel like that maybe wasn't necessary for her to do. Oh, the shooting three times? When she fires the shots, by the way, when she fires the shots, it's some of the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. She does fire the pistol like three times, but she makes a face every time she shoots it where I can hear just go like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Every time she fires it, like, what? I appreciate you, like, getting into the acting, but you you don't got to do it like that. What? What? It's, that was uh, a choice. It's a little much. Jughead then meets with Veronica just to sort of put a bow on the episode, gets the rest of his money, and says, you don't want to know who really did it? And what does Veronica say? Forget it, Jughead. It's Riverdale. And that's the end of the episode. Boo! We did it. We made it through the episode in only an hour and 14 minutes. Oh, Jesus. 15 minutes. There was a lot of goofing off in there, though. Yes. To be fair. So who is up first with these things? Is it Arlie? Um, I have no idea. It might be me. It can be me. Yeah, why not? Okay. So my river do is that the genre stuff was uh, very funny and like actually delightful in light of the last few things. Because Fair enough, yeah. those were <sighs> those those were like like bone crunchers. The last couple ones. Uh, this one was like regular levels of Riverdale bad, but also some goofy genre shit in there too. Um, so I I enjoyed that part of it quite a bit. That's true. They they sort of handled it. Um, my Riverdue. I'm so sick of this being my fucking Riverdue. I hate it so much. I'm gonna but fucking here take a shit on this Riverdue. I fucking hate it. God damn it, motherfucker. It's just that there is this interesting situation set up <laughs> in the episode. And I, I know better because it doesn't matter. It's not going to matter. <laughs> you fool. But like... It's me, the Riverdale Predictions Ghost. <laughs> You're going to look like a real fucking jackass in a week's time. Goodbye. It's true. We'll see you on next episode. We'll see if you're right. <laughs> anyway. uh, Man, that guy. He's so uh, He's so brazen. But... No, like, just the fact that you've got, like, 
Hermione and FP in this like mutual blackmail situation and like so Jughead and Hermione have this uncomfortable truce and then Archie and Hiram Betty and Penelope like there's a lot of tension implicit in the relationships there's all these characters that can't move against each other right this second but are looking for ways to outmaneuver each other and that's very interesting and I was like ooh this is cool except then I immediately realized this is the same feeling that I get when there's two minutes left in every fucking episode where yeah. they like promise that there will be something good. And then invariably in the next episode, it is not. There isn't. Yeah. But that was my favorite part as I watched it. Like I had an innocent, like positive reaction to that situation and then was like, ah, oh, got it. It's not actually going to happen, but okay. Yeah. So my river do, I already called attention to this during the recording of the main part of the episode. I gotta say, uh, Jughead's egg work was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Egg work? He really really knocked it out of the park with the egg stuff. (laughs) Genuinely, though. What do you think those eggs are made out of? Like, do you think that they're just plastic? Probably. I wonder how often they get dropped. Every goddamn day. So... I just, I like the way that it really visually codified the power dynamic at play. And as much as it is this weird sort of diversion of character in a lot of ways for almost everyone in this episode, in the context of Jughead sort of embodying this noir investigator who's going about doing these things, I really, really liked that element of, like, I really like the way that he manifests that in his acting like the smirk on his face the way he sort of physically controlled the space even though he had a gun pointed at him i feel Mm -hmm. like just like you know give a round of applause for cole sprouse everybody i understand why he wants to get out of the show because maybe he's actually a good actor yeah yeah i've seen the sweet life of zach and cody i know he's a good actor i've seen big daddy that brings in a real serious, like, gazing into the abyss moment when you think about it, though. Like, making this show at least a little bit good, like, wouldn't be harder than what they're doing, right? They like, have good actors in the show. They have a number of... For the most part. ...wildly good actors. Skeet Ulrich, like, Cole Sprouse, Machin Amick. and Machin, and, uh And, like, Madeleine is a very powerful actress at times, but when they aren't giving her a really shitty script... Yes, that that they over just... that overly heightened uh, dialogue that they give her. But she does a good job with what they give her. Yeah. So yeah, it's just yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of baffling, right? Like you could do such rote stuff with this cast and still have it be substantially better than Riverdale. I feel like this is what they want. They want people to be like us, so baffled that they have to talk about yeah. it. But anyway, <laughs> all publicity is good publicity. Yep, that's right. I mean, people are we're, we're five carrying seasons. we're carrying water for these chuckle. We parts. are in five seasons in. I feel like I'm consistently still hearing from people on the internet. I know we're three seasons in, but like the world at large is five sure. seasons in. People are constantly going like, "What the fuck is going on with Riverdale? That shit's fucking wild." They don't even know because they're not reading the books. Oh God! I mean, someone besides you two is. There's a market for them, apparently. Somewhere. The market's my butt. Probably mostly teenagers is going to be my guess, but anyways. My River Don't is going to be the just overt uh, sex work is bad stuff going on in this episode. I, I like just the way that they've chosen to frame the only characters that have engaged in sex work. 
is yeah. very uncomfortable because like the one time it wasn't a blatantly villainous character it was a minor so yep like they sort of they sort of did the the little like script work to not be super swerfy in this specific scene in this episode but like there's this whole weight of we will never show this in any other any way other than like the worst possible light and it feels almost conscious mm-hmm. right like the the one character who's very like sex work is good and important is a villain and yeah. so her message is the like one good part of the things that she's saying is completely undercut by the fact that she's a villain well right and like yes. and is like a, otherwise a, a horrible, homophobic horrible serial killer uh who yeah. is an abusive mother yeah uh, like every <laughs> other aspect of her character is fucking disgusting right and so this one good message that she wants to promote is just so lost in all of her other bullshit not to mention which is highlighted in the next episode like not to mention the implication from the conversations we have with her in this episode that she's doing this largely to act out her like hatred and problem with men men. like she hates men so much that this gives her like a somewhat acceptable vector to out and out like uh abuse or degrade men aside from the murdering that she does which is like um yeah that, that is implicit that is not like an explicit piece of the text that's a read but it's not a reach of a read it's, it's not, not a, a reach no. of a read and that then makes shit weird with sex work and then with kink stuff on top of that yeah um it just it casts like all of sexuality in a really bad light and it's well except for uh hetero teens humping because that's the best and that gets music oh yeah <laughs> like Ugh. i'm just well, goddamn also, it god the, damn gay, it. the gay teens the gay teens get music too the gay teens do get music we'll talk too. about it next episode i do have a powerful river don't here and it I hit mean, me Archie doesn't hate Hiram anymore. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah. The whole point of the whole point of the last two seasons of the show have yep. been that Hiram is the biggest bad man, and everything that's bad ever is yes. his fault, and he is he is in charge of all the misery and sorrow. Yep. Every bad thing that happens He's in the, the show is directly because of him. And Archie just decides, nah. Ah, I'm over this shit. We're done with that. It, it is. It feels like they just are so painted into a corner with this like roadkill of a plot that they've put out that they're just like we have to reset everything we can't we can't hold any of the stuff in our brains anymore they're full we have to just negate as much as humanly possible so we can move forward with the smallest number of moving parts that we can and a casualty of that is both Archie's character consistency yep. and also all the work that's been done in two seasons to build up any kind of antagonistic uh, threat. It, it is. It's a really weird undercut. And your river don't uh, s- saddles up neatly next to mine, which uh, that is your river don't is a part of mine, which is I've talked a couple times about how overall this episode in the way that it's doing genre stuff isn't exactly doing like a service to the characters. It's making the characterizations incredibly malleable. While I was watching this mm-hmm. episode, I actually had the thought, um, not entirely unironically, that Riverdale and Community are basically the same show, um, <laughs> just in terms of what they're doing with playing with genre and sometimes that being like a really strong warping force on characterization throughout things. Yeah. But 
specifically for me, like a lot of characters got weird in this episode. The weirdest thing for me was Archie. He's in on murder. He's out on murder. He's a drunk. He's totally sober now. He hates Hiram. He doesn't hate Hiram. Like, they couldn't even pick what he was for this episode. No, it was a fucking mess. And, like, especially because they started off, right, with him being so angry that he wanted to pound that asphalt. He just wanted to pound it so hard that he couldn't take a break. And then suddenly they put him in front of the object of this fury. And he's like, ah, well, nevertheless, it's deeply confusing. That's it's really terrible. It's like they they saved up all the shit that they've done to like Betty and Alice and then just unleashed it all on Archie in a huge blast Mm -hmm. in this episode. Punished, blasted Archie. Oh, God. Uh, Weekly Weirds, though. Maybe there can be some small joy extracted from this mess. Um, I I don't know about that. Uh, I am still so baffled by the phrase, kick the maple barrel. Like, that they would have their own, like, colloquial phrase. I did not say that word, right? I'm gonna just breeze on past that phrase for kicking the bucket. Like, I just don't like it. <laughs> it's not my river don't. It's just like, it's so fucking bizarre. That... Harley, let me see if I can help you, though. Let <sighs> me see if I can help you with this. Probably not, but It's like kicking the bucket, but because it's Riverdale, it's a maple barrel. No, I got that, is the thing. And that's, I think, where my problem lies, is that I got <laughs> it. Um, yeah, yeah, fair it's, enough. It's just so fucking bizarre. And, like, I... I get why they did it. I understand the reasoning. That doesn't make it less bizarre. Yeah. So uh, Jeff Goldblum thought about if they could, should, blah blah blah. Um, yeah, that's very fair. My leak, my weekly weird is in a, in a way my leakly weird. I was gonna say you're leakly <laughs> weird. Because of the industrial runoff situation. Oh my god. My my weekly weird is trying to untangle what the fuck the actual story of the crimes and drugs and stuff actually is at all. Because it's just completely wild. Like, there was runoff. It magically only affects girls. We've talked about it multiple times in the episode without offering a sh- shred of explanation for why. Uh, and they needed to bribe the person in charge of the water inspection for like the state or the county or whatever. So they did that. And then they fucking institute a, a citywide quarantine with the governor's blessing so that they can move some drugs from a building to another building. And they were supposed to destroy the drugs, but instead they simply moved them. And like, as though, uh, it's, it's melting my brain again, folks. I'm sorry. Like, the plan was to destroy the drugs, but they needed the cover of the quarantine to move the drugs to the prison. But, like, the plan, I stress again, was to destroy the fucking drugs, which there's no way it couldn't be done on site wherever they were. So, like, f- as far as Hermione was concerned, who got the mate, who got, not the mayor, who got the governor's uh, uh, go-ahead, apparently, for the quarantine to cover, like, the thing that they needed to cover was not happening. As far as she knew. Yep. Like, the thing that she thought they needed to do couldn't possibly need this cover that she arranged for it. It just, it like, mm. there are so many layers. It, it's Bob, just, you it's... can't destroy drugs in secret, mm. dummy. <laughs> it's that simple. It's... Drugs are allergic to the light of day and you gotta do it in the open. Otherwise, they're just gonna regrow. 
I mean, you may as well be right is is the point, and that's why it's my weekly weird. Like like they've tried to draw all these threads together, and it's just a bluff. Yes, like <laughs> none of it makes any sense. They're like, we just got to get through this scene, baby. Come on, like whoo whoo whoo, we're gonna make it. If we can just get on the other side of this scene, we never have to talk about this again. That's like me trying to get through each day of my life at this point. <laughs> and that is not how you should write a TV show, I'm pretty sure. No. Yeah, so that's my weekly weird. It's just, wow, just some some buck wild shit when it comes to the plot of yeah, this season. For me, my weekly weird was a simple one for me. Again, something I drew attention to earlier, but Hermione's facial acting during the gunshots <laughs> was exquisitely <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. There were some real choices and like, I made. I feel like, again, in my mind, things are more exaggerated than they actually were, but like her shoulders are like popping up over her ears every time she shoots, like as she's doing the <laughs> recoil. It's just like a full body experience. I think her being in a little like satin slip just accentuates the whole it's thing ridiculous. too. I just want to ask you a question, yeah. a hypothetical question, Quinn. Um, would it have been more fitting or less fitting had she, while doing the exact same body motions for the shooting, been wearing Loki's mask from the Jim Carrey film oh, Mask? God. The mask. That would be really fucking funny. The mask. Mask is way different. Yeah. Like, the mask of Loki would not feel not at home. Smoking. Right? Says Hermione, because yeah. that's what the gun's doing. It's a smoking gun. Man, because she I just have shot someone to death. not seen very many Jim Carrey movies at all. I um, somebody stop me. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that movie. Um, I mean, like I know of it from the cultural osmosis. Uh, I watched but... it uh, since quarantine started. You know, within the last year, it doesn't really hold up. Yeah, it was just that that exquisitely bizarre acting choice. It was just beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, so interestingly, I sort of enjoyed watching this episode, but going through it and talking about it has put me in a bad mood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but it does feel like Riverdale has hit a vast, powerful reset button. Like they're just taking a mulligan right in the middle of the season. And I guess that's for the best because it's clear that they're not delivering on any of the promises they've made so far, which is a big shame because the beginning of the season was so filled with promise. It, it, like they, they had this cool satanic panic stuff and the cult stuff going on and they just, they, they, they chunked it, Rob got so weird. They, they really chunked it. It's true. <laughs> they just, they, they brought in all this drug stuff and more fucking Hiram Lodge stuff and like. It all got so jumbled and stupid that they just had to start over. And that's that's what this is. This is this is turning it off and turning it back on. Uh, and next episode, not to not to, you know, spoil things early, but it feels like the next episode is them just taking a little break because this one tired them out. And <laughs> like, yeah. it really does. It really does. And I'm it interested to really see does. how this like almost soft reboot halfway through the season actually carries through because I'm interested to see what they decide to keep pulling from because it was like they were doing a lot of legwork in this episode and they literally had to go, okay, we're going to do a genre thing. We're going to do like a genre riff, a genre pastiche this episode to justify moving the chess pieces around. And when you see Riverdale yeah. saying we need to find an excuse for our people to act out of character, you know shit is like in a 
you know you're really in the shit. Extremely whack. Something that just hit me, and I don't like that it hit me, but I have to share it with everybody. Mm -hmm. This level of plotline abandonment and seat of the pantsing and bluffing the audience and and all this shit reminds me of nothing more than back when I was regularly watching Monday Night Raw from WWE. Like... WWE booking is what this season of Riverdale uh, Riverdale or no Riverdale or no Riverdale is that not what this show is called yeah no kidding uh no but like this season of Riverdale really does remind me of like really bad seat of the pants disorganized booking of a pro wrestling promotion and that is not a good thing yeah, you don't got a bunch of hunks slamming each other, so... I mean, sometimes you do. There's and that's not been the nearly part, enough hunk slams like, in this season, I gotta say. Not not nearly enough, it's true. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, well... Yeah, I guess I'm, uh... Yeah, should I take it out since I was the host? Yeah, hey, yeah, that seems, that seems only fair. Thank you for tuning in to this edition <laughs> God of damn River it. Do's and River Don'ts. I'm the Silent Mist. Your jockey through the turbulence of this, the quiet storm. Keep your heads on out there, folks. You know you're going to make it through. I love you. (laughs) 